0: perfect for a moment to unwind. And so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener, and you know what? Let's jump right in.
1: Welcome back, Chelsea fans. That's right, the third episode of the week. This is a bit of a Christmas miracle, so to speak. We have uh, the second part of our Winter Window Wonderland series that we're doing. It's with the Joe Tweeds. We got him on board here. Nick, I know you're excited, and you know, but there's no Brandon again. So, what yeah, do we do which, about that?
2: Which means we we make fun of him the entire episode because he's not here to defend himself. That's basically how that goes.
1: Real mature. Real yep. mature.
2: That's right. Well, that's how we do.
1: But that, that's OK, you know, because if you listen to the first part, we had a great time. We talked about what would happen if Chelsea does indeed get a transfer ban. It is scary stuff. It is like getting the worst type of coal in your stocking. And uh, it's it's not good. It's like getting visited by Krampus. And we don't want that. <laughs> so we're also going to talk about now that we do have a...
2: F- FIFA is Krampus in this scenario. <laughs> that's what yes, you're saying. Yes, that is, that is accurate.
3: I've got a taco from the league reference popping up in my head. I don't know if you guys watch the league. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That,
2: is, that is
1: wonderful. And obviously you hear the the wonderful voice of Joe Tweeds joining us again. We appreciate Joe coming back on to drop a little bit more transfer knowledge on us. So thank you, Joe, for coming back.
3: No problem, guys. Always a pleasure to be on, as always. Is that my – I can't remember what I used to say. It's been so long since I've been on. <laughs> I had a special intro, but yeah, I've lost it. I think it was I, really I, short. It was very yeah. much
1: like, uh, hey, glad to be back or something like that. It was it was very – Hey, c- glad to be quick. back. There we go. <laughs> Um, yeah, definitely our most capped guest on the show. And, uh, you know, that is a, a badge of honor, I, I think, hopefully. We, we would assume after 250 Hopefully. plus episodes it, we, we, we would consider it yes yes it has to be but anyway we're going to talk Hopefully about transfers. Not like
2: a, a charity case dan maybe maybe we're a part of joe's charity scheme that he's <laughs> report back to work we
1: visit him on the soup kitchen it's like yeah. you know chelsea content creators come to joe and he gives <laughs> out do- doshes out little mana from heaven
2: <laughs> fine i'll put in another shift jeez
1: uh, all right, well, before it gets a little too off the rails here, that's right, not only can Brandon bring it in, I can as well, we're going to do a quick ad from our friends at Anchor, and then we'll get on with the show. All right, so you're listening to this podcast right now, London is Blue, and guess what? We host our podcast on Anchor.fm. That's right. If you're looking to host your own podcast, this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record it at the podcast right from a phone That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there, too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts, as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it, too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app or head to Anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. All right. It's time to talk transfers. One of our favorite type of episodes to get into. It's because you can explore the possibilities before your hopes get immediately dashed by the reality of the situation, Chelsea actually signing a player that you had no idea even existed until it actually happened so we're going to start from the front to the back because the biggest things that we got questions around were about our attack and primarily strikers and we alluded to it a little bit on the last episode which again if you haven't listened to yet go back and listen to part one but uh christian from our Patreon, Matt from Twitter, uh, friend Star at Blues on Twitter, and then also uh, Complaints Department is doing a really good YouTube channel and uh, had some good chats when he was over with Andy Saunders and Dan Silves, all asking about top-class strikers in January. And I think, Joe, the answer is going to be pretty much par for the course. You can't sign a top-class striker in January. Would you agree or disagree with the premise?
3: Completely agree. I think, actually, in let's say, the entire Abramovich area. I think only Nicholas Anelka, a striker we've signed in January, has actually had a really good career at the club, Um, been more than just a a stopgap signing. So one player in, I don't know, 15 years of of us having a January window that really jumps off at me is having a great great career at Chelsea. So, yeah. Um, And he wasn't even considered a a superstar signing at the time. So, I mean, he was just a good Premier League player who turned out a bit better than I think many people had thought. But, yeah, I mean, you're you're not going to go out and buy a team's top striker in January unless you are paying maybe two, maybe two and a half times what they're actually worth on the on the market in the summer. Well,
1: that's exciting to hear. That fills me with so much joy. Joe, <laughs> right. it's
2: Christmas. Bring the mood up, man. Come on. We need hope.
1: This is uh, about uh, having a blue Christmas without you, a striker who can score goals. So I think then uh, uh, the, the thought was, so if we do sign someone in January who is a striker, it is probably a stopgap solution. What are some of the names or what are some of the players that you think the club could look after? Is, you know, I mean, Callum Wilson is one that you see frequently linked. Bournemouth, obviously, he's their leading goal scorer. Maybe wouldn't necessarily want to separate with them, but obviously don't have the same type of financial resource or clout that Chelsea do, even being in the Premier League. Would they, A, want to separate? And what would potentially a price be, and then see would he be even a good fit in this system under? Sorry,
3: I think the the first few points. I imagine if if his name is being kind of leaked at this point, and it seems fairly sort of consensus amongst sort of the media that that this is a guy that Chelsea have interest in, And I think there probably is mutual interest. I mean, if I was if I was Wilson, I would obviously one hundred percent like to move to Chelsea. Um, and looking at our current striking options, I mean, if you had a a shred of self-belief, you would have to kind of back yourself to, to, kind of play fairly regularly. So yeah, I mean, he fits the kind of profile of players that the club. Like, you know, again, he will be, he's homegrown. He's, he's English, um, pretty good age. Um, some pretty, you know, pretty decent scoring record as well. Has some, some traits that we don't have. He's obviously incredibly quick. It's one of his best things. He's a pretty good finisher as well. Um, I imagine probably between 30 and 40 million pounds, something like that would, would probably, would probably get him. Um, and he's someone who probably could could lead the line for the club from let's say January until the end of the summer um, or end of the season, I should say, um, and would probably be ha- quite happy to then sort of maybe play second fiddle to someone in the summer if we don't obviously have a ban by that point. But if you're looking at him as a let's say a guy to be to be the guy for the next sort of one to two years, that's when I'd be I'd be slightly concerned in putting all my eggs into that basket because he does have a bit of an injury uh, problem. He he's not the a player that's that's going to play fifty sixty games a season for you, um, and then that obviously means you have to rely on other players. So that that's my only concern is that if he if he extends to beyond being, a, a, I think he'd be a good number two, number three striker, someone who could probably deputise as a number one maybe for the rest of the season. But if we go beyond that, then I think then that's when my kind of yeah, my, my sort of uh, – or the appeal of, of him coming to Chelsea, I should say. That, that's when it slightly starts to wane for me.
1: So, Nick, I think that's a, a good kind of call-out from Joe there. Do you like the idea of Callum Wilson coming in and being the de facto number two because you get the homegrown British equivalent, you get the fact that you know he does know how to score goals even though not maybe double-digit quite frequently within his career and doesn't then maybe put him in the same amount of workload so the injury concerns might not be as high?
2: Uh, sure. I mean, I think that, the, you know, maybe the lens that I'm looking at this, uh, this episode through is what is the club's ambition? Like, who do the club want to be at this stage uh, under Abramovich? Do they want to seriously contend for, you know, the league and Champions League every year? Or is this something that you know there, there are going to be peaks and valleys, and that you know it, maybe this is a valley for us in terms of being able to sign top talent um, without a a true director of football or a scout, you know, type person in that role. So you know, if, if it's a valley, then you know he certainly uh, Kyle Wilson has certainly shown himself to be useful this year, um, you know, potentially more useful than our current options <laughs> at striker, but. Uh, you know, as, as a as a signing, you know, whoever Chelsea brings in, I expect signings up front to be able to do the job and the job for, you know, especially in a sorry system is to be able to put away 20 plus goals at minimum. Uh, so, you know, that's that's kind of, kind of how I look at it, Joe. And if, if you're not sure he's going to be able to, you know, over the course of a season, put in 20 goals, uh, maybe he's not the right option.
3: No, I, I'd agree with that. I just I had a quick look at his career and maybe it's this season. I mean, he, he's already, this is his best uh, return, so we look here, apart from his debut season in the Premier League, where he had, uh, he did actually score 20 goals um, every single season by then. Maybe it's mostly been affected to injury. I mean, he's, he's rarely played over 2,000 minutes. You know, he's, he's not really hit anything above eight goals. So this season he's currently on eight. So I'm assuming he's going to push, he's going to push 20, but I think the the point you made, there, Nick, is is, really, is a really interesting one because I think as fans are, it feels a little bit like our standards have dropped quite a bit in terms of in terms of what we expect from from players that Chelsea sign. I mean, I'm I'm sort of trying to kind of convince myself that Callum Wilson, who you know has only scored sort of double digits in the Premier League once in the past you know four years, is going to be the guy to to sort of you know take Chelsea forward into the into the future. And the fact is, you know, that this guy is. Probably, if we're looking at being very, very cynical here, probably at best a, a third choice, maybe fourth choice player, mainly because he's English. Um, sort of midpoint of his career, is 26. Um, but does does he have the talent to to take the team to to the next level? Does he have the talent to score 20, 30 goals? You know, it's for me, I, I'm not I'm not entirely sold on it. And, and also again, for that amount of money, you know, we go back to this so many times when we've spoken about transfers in the past. You know, you look at the the 60 million pound payment for Murata. You look at the potential 40 million pound outlay outlay on on and Wilson. You know, a season ago, that would have triggered Maro Ricardi's buyout clause, and you would have genuinely got Striker him who would hit 20, 30 goals a season every season, no questions asked. So we seem to always be doing this kind of half measures on players, and you know, without getting into a lot of the debates we've had previously about a lack of director football, and a lack of structure and direction. But this is kind of where you come to. You come to a position where. We're coming to January that what could potentially be a an incredibly crucial window for the future of Chelsea over the next two two plus seasons. And you're you're looking at Callum Wilson as some sort of savior who's going to come in and be a bit better than Maratta, which you know, is that kind of again the, the benchmark for, for players is, you know, looking at, at people who might be a little bit better than what we've got. You know, I'm I'm not hugely convinced on him. I think again, obviously he'd he'd be someone that I support. He does have some attributes that I do like. He His movement's great. He's obviously, he's incredibly fast. He's a good finisher, maybe in a better team where he gets more opportunities. He's a bit more efficient. Maybe he's a bit more effective, but, you know, a lot of these are me kind of projecting him in a better team rather than me seeing him every week and saying, okay, this is clearly like, you know, a player playing in a club that he's much better than and who could perform elsewhere. Um, so with Wilson, yeah, I mean, it's, Looking like that, he's someone that we're interested in, but whether he, you know, he's the guy, um, I'm, I'm really not sold on him at the moment. So I think the other
1: uh, name that we kind of bring up and constantly gets linked is Mario Accardi, but it looks like or sounds like from his wife slash agent that there is a contract offer on the table and that would essentially put him out of reach for Chelsea do you feel like that he's probably not an option anymore he would have been an option maybe a season ago but now new investors new direction with the inter that they're probably not looking to get rid of one of their gem players even though they are going to run into potentially some financial problems
3: yeah I mean I think the the thing with Accardi was that he'd, he'd had this 100 million euro release clause in his contract for about five seasons. And when it got put in, obviously that would have been like a world record fee at the time. But if you're looking at, let's say the past two summers, when transfers have kind of absolutely exploded, paying that sort of money, like about 90 million pound, which is a little bit more than Lukaku, you know, you, you'd pay that all day for, for Accardi. So I think maybe the club have, have missed, uh, maybe missed a beat with him there. Um, you know, I've seen people have some reservations about him. Um, you know that he's he's not quick enough for the Premier League and, and certain other things, and not things that I've always personally agreed with. I, I've always felt that he would have been the, the exact kind of forward that that Chelsea have needed. And what's always struck me about Acardi is that it's it's always big games that he scores in. You know, it's, it's the Juventus's it's the AC Milan's, it's the big games in Europe that he always does well in. It's not just uh, you know scoring hat tricks against teams that no you know with names that nobody can pronounce. It's he's a real kind of all-round player that is a fantastic finish in the penalty area. He's the kind of poacher that, I think, in Sari's system, looking at how well Higuarin played, I think Acardi is a better player than Higuarin is at that point in time. And I think he would have been absolutely exceptional up front with Hazard and, and maybe a better right winger. That would have been a real kind of front three that you could have compared with anything in Europe. But I think if he does sign this new contract, fairly obvious that that, that kind of release course is going to be removed. Um, and then obviously you're looking at a player who is in his peak, will probably sign a five, six year contract, virtually impossible to sign. So, you know, if, if that does come to fruition and he does sign the contract, I think we can kiss that one goodbye. Um If he hasn't signed it, then yeah, I mean, I would, I would still be pushing, I would be moving heaven and earth. I would offer Morata around 100 million you know, to, <laughs> to, get, to get him over here, to be be completely honest you know, if it's If the club are predicting that this ban is going to happen, um, you know, I would be like, yeah, here's... Here's 100 million, and and also here's Morata as well, <laughs> just to just to completely sweeten the deal. Um, but it's yeah, it's one of those. Where I think maybe we've we should have pulled the trigger on him. I think at the time people thought it was expensive, but in obviously in the modern situation or the more modern climate, 100 million pound for a guy who's you know 25 to 30 goals a season, almost guaranteed, um, is it's kind of what you're asking. You 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 wouldn't spend 100 million pound on Aguero or Harry Kane in their pomp. Um, you know, you're looking at probably double that for those sorts of players. You look at what sort of Mbappe went for and Neymar, those are the sorts of figures that you'd be paying. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a sad one because some I've always really felt would, not that he was a great player, but I think he would be, he would have been an excellent fit at Chelsea. And I think the fans would really have taken to him because he's a little bit spiky. He's got a little bit of that kind of Diego Costa side to him, but he's, he's a big, big game player, big goal scorer. Um, I think he would have done really well here. So yeah, it's it's a sad one that I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, but also, it comes down to I think Chelsea's reluctance sometimes to pull the trigger um, when something obvious is in front of them, just because they they don't want to invest all of that money into one player. They, they seem to like to kind of, you know, they're spending 150 million. They don't want to spend it on two players. They'd rather get five five in for 30 million each. So, yeah, it's a shame, but you know, it looks like. If he's not available, then someone like Callum Wilson will be, unfortunately.
1: So I know another name that we were asked about, Nick, is uh, Rich Holson, who's obviously had a bit of a resurgence here or kind of a uh, a new lease on life after going to Everton. And uh, a friend Aiden on Twitter asked us about it. You think that that would be the profile of player that might work well under Sarri?
2: Um, I'm not convinced by that either, to be honest with you. I think, first of all, he's just signed for Everton, so... Uh, I, I'm not even sure the logistics of of picking up someone half a season after they've signed a, a big new deal. Um, that, you know, it, w- it would probably be. Cause I think Everton signed him for like 50 million, so the, the transfer fee would probably be outrageous. And then, you know, I'm not sure about the wage packet. Um, plus, he's really Everton's only goal scoring threat <laughs> on a consistent basis. So, um, I, I just don't think that's. I don't think that's a a thing that Chelsea would do, but Joe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he would be, um, maybe he would be a good fit.
3: Um, he he's one of these that I think had we had we kind of bought him before the Everton deal, I think I, I could have gotten bored of it. He's a good age, good profile. He has a, a pretty decent skill set, um, but I think his his success kind of playing down the middle um, has been. I think that's probably been a little bit surprising. Um, and I suppose Chelsea also didn't didn't kind of go for him because he typically he's more of kind of a left winger, um, and obviously you know he's not he's not going to start ahead of Hazard. But uh, you know I, I would say again, given our previous dealings with Everton, and, and this again comes back to how we negotiate with teams and and looking particularly at something like the John Stones uh, negotiation where we started off at like ten pounds and he ended up going for like fifty million pounds to to Man City. Um, these sorts of things obviously come back to you and I don't think that Everton would actually even entertain selling uh, a guy who I think he's he's got eight or what's he got eight goals this season for them already um you know so he's kind of you know one in two for them at the moment and, and given that they as you rightly said pretty much don't have anyone else in the team that can score um you know I think that they would probably want maybe 100 million pounds for him you know I mean they, pay, they paid about 50 for him in the summer so you know it's not like it's a uh, Kind of a cheap, unknown Brazilian guy that they found, who's now gone on to become this really good player. And um, I'd also worry as well whether he'd be a, a kind of a real kind of precise fit up at up at Chelsea because his his link-up play, his passing, and, and his ability to retain possession. Um, he's more of a player who kind of runs onto stuff and finishes it rather than kind of gets up involved in the link-up play. Which I think, from a, a sorry perspective, we would rather kind of get someone who's a bit more of a poacher, someone who gets on the end of moves, someone who can kind of link play and then get on the end of it rather than someone who's going to be running in behind. And yeah, I think that's that's always the thing with Chelsea, is that when we try and find strikers, it's always quite difficult because more often than not, a lot of these sort of players, they're not used to having that amount of defenders ahead of them every time they touch the ball. So it's quite a unique skill set that we need to find in someone, the ability to link play to to play these kind of neat sort of triangles and, and play in tight areas and kind of create space themselves to get shots off, rather than you see a lot of Richarlison's goals or attacks where he's got space to run into or ability to run in behind of people's shoulders. So I don't think that he stylistically would be that accurate fit personally. Um, but I can see potentially why Chelsea would have been interested in him. But yeah, I think you're, you're right. The logistics of, of trying to buy someone who moved for 50 million million in the summer, you know, a couple of months later is it's going to be enormous. And whether we would sink... I don't know, let's say 80 million pounds into someone like that is, is going to be probably, uh, probably a no at this point.
1: You know, I think if we were going to sink 80 million pounds into a player, I guess my thought would be, and, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one, Joe, is probably going for someone like Timo Warner from Leipzig, who has shown that he can get 20 plus goals in a season, can score big matches, and then also has kind of the ability to break pace, which... He seems to me like the perfect fit, but I would imagine uh, being a German national that he probably wants to at some point play for Byron in his career. Um, So I feel like he would probably be hard for us to acquire as a uh, a player for Chelsea.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think there's actually there's there's at least probably two players in Germany at the moment who he would probably be worth a punt. You've, You've got Timo Werner, the guy you mentioned there, who I think in terms of his his movement and his just. His kind of technical ability I mean he actually he can play pretty much anywhere across the front three which also is is someone that I do like in a forward um that I, I think he would be an excellent fit here um fits the, the profile in terms of age I think he's got a great shot great uh great just sort of general speed about his play as well so he would be someone I would very much like and also the kind of the Leipzig team they, they play fairly similar to, to how Sarri would like the team to to eventually play so I think from a from a tactical perspective and a, and a strategic perspective, he's fitting quite well. The other guy who actually might be worth looking at in January is there's a guy called Luka Jovic um, who, who plays for Antrak Frankfurt, and he's a little bit of a, an enigma to me. But I'm thinking if if he's someone that we could get for say 30, 40 million euros, you know, this potentially is a guy who, you know, if if, if it comes off, he could be a, a real kind of superstar type talent. Um, great kind of scoring record this season. I think in terms of how his his general play would, would suit the team, he's he's kind of a a good build. He can hold the ball up. He's got he's got really nice feet. Um, quite quite aggressive, definitely aggressive enough to play in the in the Premier League as well. So he's someone that I would also be, be kind of looking out for. as maybe if you were going to take sort of an educated punt, I'd rather go for someone like that than someone like Callum Wilson because, you know, he's he's 20 years old. There's there's probably a lot more to his his game that I think that you can develop and add. Um, and also I just think generally that he's a you know he's a pretty good goal scorer as well so something like that would would be worth considering but yeah i mean if if we were going to go big and, uh, and and say you know this is the guy for let's say the next two years i think Werner is a, is an excellent chap
1: all right so we're still talking about attack but i think wingers are the other one that people are concerned about obviously and hazard has not signed a new contract is that still accurate Nicholas? <laughs> has he signed yeah. since we've been talking
2: yeah. Yeah, just checked. Um, still is signed. So, um, yeah, it's It's a big worry, Dan. Big
1: worry. Uh, um, so that's obviously the question, then, who do we buy? Obviously, we talked a lot about, does Callum, uh, Callum Hudson-Odoi end up becoming someone who can deputize and then kind of grow into that role? So that potentially solves our, our situation on the left wing, but then obviously the right wing. And you know, Joe, we make the case a lot for Christian Polisic here because obviously we're the American Chelsea podcast and so we got to do it. And people ask us all the time. But, you know, I think we've also held a pretty firm line that if he's the best available player, that Chelsea are scouting and recruiting for that. And if it fits the, the, of what we need, then we should sign him. We shouldn't just sign him because he's an American and he's going to sell a lot of jerseys because ultimately we're already getting fee from Nike. We're not making more money when we sell more jerseys. Uh, what would be the case that you would make for signing Christian Pulisic? Uh, obviously, he's a little bit more of an uh, unbiased individual because your nationality is not red, white, and blue, or at least not our
3: red, white, and blue. Yes, yeah, true, yeah. Um, so I, I think he is a player that has... I think he has an incredible upside. Um, and I think that probably for me is the most tantalizing thing about him is that in a, let's say, someone like Sari, who seems to be very, very good at molding players and, and kind of sort of positioning to be better players and, and kind of getting more out of them, I think that combination, that's kind of the tantalizing thing for me because Pulisic, you know, he, he's a great dribbler. He has like insane pace and, and aggression and, and kind of, sort of traits that you would really kind of like for a winger. I think he's a little bit erratic um in, in the way that most kind of young forwards are. Um sometimes I think he he does concede possession a little bit too easily. But that probably also comes from the fact that he's he does he does try things all the time. And I you know that's one of my main things whenever I, I look at young players is their willingness to to try stuff in the final third. I don't really care if they lose possession, you know, trying to beat two people and put a cross in, if they are that's fine, but if they're playing sort of sloppy passes and people are intercepting, that's a slightly different, a slightly different sort of cause for concern. But no, I think, yeah, that you you buy him because he probably replaces William or Pedro next season. Um, he has obviously played in a system that has relied on pressing and counter pressing for his entire time in Germany, so he understands how to press, when to press. He has the athletic capacity to do that, and that's a huge part of of eventual system that he wants to kind of push us to. I don't think we're doing it so much at the moment, but he has the profile and the, the kind of knowledge to, to be able to kind of slot in and do that really well. Plus, I think there's there's a huge kind of ability for him there to add a lot more goals to his game. You know, I think when he gets through on goal, he's a very good finisher, but I think sometimes he, he looks to maybe overcomplicate it a little bit sometimes in the final third, so where he has a, a better pass on or maybe a better chance to shoot. Sometimes it's that extra twist, that extra turn, and that's when he gets dispossessed. So these kind of small things that are kind of decision making that a good coach can can change. If you can straighten up some of these lines, I think you've got a really you've got a really, really good player. And it's not a factor of him, as you say, selling uh, selling shirts or because he, you know, he will be an attraction to American kids for, for them to come and support Chelsea. It's a question of that he does have a really interesting set of skills that are currently working in a team that probably are fairly similar to how Chelsea will be once kind of sorry is is almost kind of complete with his his sort of transition to how he wants the team to play so yeah you know he's a player that I do like um i think at the moment he's maybe uh, unfairly or, or you know he's he's kind of been sort of downplayed from the side a bit because of sort of Jaden Sancho's rise um into sort of the, into the side but it's not really a reflection on him i just think Sancho's a very good player um but yeah i think he'd be it definitely be an interesting sign. my only contention would be that i've seen fees of £70 million and £60 million, et cetera, being thrown around. And I don't think at the moment that he, he he's worth that sort of money. I think he could be, um, and maybe on potential, you can make the case that he's probably worth that sort of money. But I think Chelsea, if they're going to spend that sort of money, they need someone who is either starting to realise their potential or, or or has realised it and is starting to deliver regularly. And I don't think Pulisic is quite there yet. So if you can get him for, let's say, £30-40 I think that's that's more than fair. Um, I think he does develop into a very good player, and you have to remember he's still incredibly young. It's just that he's been around for a very long time. Um, but I do like him. I like the direction that he's heading, and I think under sorry, that you know, that's 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 the interesting combination. Is that I think Sari could actually get him to become a complete player, and then you've got a very very scary prospect on your hands.
1: Nick, yeah, can, I mean, can you smell I, that? Yeah. Can you can you smell the, the apple pie? <laughs> can you smell the the bluebell ice cream? <laughs> Can you smell the, the fresh sheets being uh, hung outside the back of the yard? Because that's what's coming to Stanford Bridge, it sounds like. Oh, man.
2: Look, I, as a guy who saw uh, Christopher Pulisic score his first international goal uh, in person, uh, clearly a guy who I rate. Uh, I think that he, uh, Joe, Joe's analysis on like overcomplicating things in the final third is absolutely right. Um, I think he will develop into a better decision maker, though, just naturally. I mean, he's twenty or he's nineteen or something years old. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm better at 31 than I than I was at 19 at a lot of things. So, uh, I think there's there's probably some room to grow there. Uh, again, though, you know, I, I've made this case before, and I will, I will say it again: if he's if he's the best prospect, or or if he has the highest ceiling. Of any of the players that we're looking at, and the club wants to take a um, take a chance on on him reaching or maximizing that potential, then that's fantastic. And you know, I think you know if that's what the scouts at the club are saying, and you know, the, the board of directors is is agreeing upon, then they've made that choice. But I certainly, as an American, uh, don't want him to be selected as as a player for Chelsea because of the. Nationality that he has and you know I think if that's the case you're setting him up for failure and I don't want that uh, so uh, because I think the expectations when you move to Chelsea are just at a different level um, than they are at Dortmund or they are at you know even Spurs or, or Arsenal or anything because we're perennial winners uh, we win a lot and if you're not contributing to to the winning mentality or the or the results on the field then um, the fans will the fans will give you stick pretty quickly. I mean, uh, Exhibit A is uh, Murata, so that that's my scenario. That you know, should Chelsea acquire him as as a talent, that you know, if if they're if they're doing it because they want to develop him into the scary prospect that Joe mentioned, then that's that's fantastic, and I am all for that, and I will I will be a part of that process. But if they're buying it to uh, to have a, a more sold out summer tour, or to you know you know, for any of the other reasons, then, you know, let's just move on to someone else who can who can do the job.
1: All right, so I think we've spent a fair amount of time talking about tech. We probably should make our way just a little further back on the field, on the pitch. We're going to talk about midfielders. We didn't get any specific questions. Um, but I know, Joe, you are watching ridiculous amounts of video content. You are the most researched individual I know when it comes to, you know, football of all – all elements of all size, shapes and sizes. Is there anyone that you kind of are looking at or seeing beyond maybe the rise of Ruben Loftus' cheek? Are, are you feeling like we need to even consider bringing someone in into that area from the market? Or do you feel like we kind of have solved some of that problem by signing Conte to a long-term, seeing kind of Barkley improve a little bit, seeing Ruben Loftus' cheek rise? Or do you feel like there's still some some investment we need to make there?
3: I think in midfield that there's, there's probably two prospects I think one of them probably is becoming a bit more prominent now, but I think a guy that I might expect you guys about a little while ago, you have a midfielder at Lyon called Tango Undunbeli, who has been sensational for Lyon this season in the in the Champions League. And, you know, maybe for the past two seasons, a guy that I've really liked in midfield. And I think potentially if you're looking at a sort of rotation of Loftus-Cheek and, and maybe some Kante comes into that occasion as well with Barkley, um, Aundambele is... You know, again, I think maybe he's he's now gone beyond the point where we can buy him. He's probably being looked at more by Manchester City and 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 probably the, the Spanish clubs now. But, you know, we've probably had a chance to to look at him. He's someone that I would really like to to bring in because he's kind of sort of like, he's a bit like Kante in that he's obviously, he's very good sort of defensively, but his ability to go forward, um, he's kind of more of a, a complete kind of box-to-box player, a bit more like a sort of Michael Essien type. So, to me, obviously, that's, that's hugely appealing. And I think sometimes we do miss a little bit of physicality in midfield, particularly when we line up with the Kovacic, Karante, Jorginho, Trio. Do you think sometimes we do miss just a bit of power and a bit of physicality in there? But I think that that side, the guy that we have been linked to is uh, Nicola Barella, um, a guy who I, I looked at a couple of times last season, just, just doing some sort of stuff on my scouting courses and stuff like that. And interesting guy to be linked to because I think this is... Probably the kind of evolution of, of sort of that Marco Verratti role in the Italian squad and that Barella is, is a lot more kind of a box-to-box player, but I think probably he is kind of your Jorginho, your kind of Kante um, sort of players. And I think from, from someone that could, could deputise both of those roles, maybe even potentially take one of them, um, I think that he is a, he's an incredibly interesting prospect just because the, the amount of stuff that he, that he can do in terms of sort of different midfield positions, if whoever that is, as a, a pure holder, is in this kind of creating role that Jorginho has, a, a true box to box player. He's a little bit nasty in the tackle as well. He's got that kind of Italian bite. I was quite interested that we were linked to him because he's someone that I do like. I think he's an incredibly talented, um, incredibly talented young player. Um, and I think, again, if you're looking at, at sort of signing younger profile players, players that we can develop into superstars, into top talents, you know, I think that this guy probably. Is, is going to be sort of the next kind of Verratti in terms of ability of going from a club to going to play for a big club and then being looked at as sort of one of the best sort of midfielders in Europe. So he's he's very interesting to me in that I think potentially he covers two problem spots both for Jorginho and Kante. Um but he also offers a lot going forward as well and he's just he for me he's just a, he's a lovely player to watch, really, really well balanced, nice and aggressive, great passer, great engine, great hair, which obviously we know is important. So um <laughs> Yeah, but he's he's someone that I was I was very interested to see that we were linked to because I, I looked at him a couple of times last season and I felt that he was a really, really good player. Um looking at him a little bit more recently I can kind of see why the why the interest has carried on because yeah, he's he's a guy that, that could said he's he's someone that we can get and I think he's one of them that if we get him we could push him onto being a, a really, really top player. Um still has obviously some things to improve, but those things are kind of minuscule compared to his upside. So I do like him quite a lot, yeah,
1: especially if you're seeing says Fabregas leave, who's kind of been that deputy that you're going to need to have someone to do that role. And you know
3: that, that And if that, we don't sign Kovačić, then you know it's 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 kind of a no-brainer, really. But yeah,
1: and you know, so I think on that point too, you know, because obviously that could be a level of signing that we complete. Nick, are you feeling like at this point? You know, if you were given odds on it, you know what are your, you know, where's your personal level at, and what do you think, you know, Chelsea are going to do in terms of Kovacic? You know, would you want him signed permanently, and then, you know, do you think the club are going to? I
2: I think it depends on the fee, right? Like, if if Real Madrid are going to play hardball, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that he fulfills a role that is so desperately needed right now. Kind of given the rise of Barkley and uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek that. You know, if, if it was an outrageous figure that, you know, we would probably just say, eh, thanks, no thanks. But it sounded to me at the beginning of the year that he was, he was basically done with Madrid. And all that does is basically offer Chelsea some bargaining power, I think, in terms of what they could uh, potentially end up paying for him. So I, I think he's a very good midfielder. I'd love to see him you know, interchange with our forwards a little bit better. I think that's that's probably an area of his game that he has to grow into. And certainly if N'Golo Conte can score two goals, he should be able to score two goals. Um so you know he needs to add that to his game. But um I'm I'm still pretty bullish on Kovacic, Joe, even though he hasn't had a great last month or so.
3: Yeah, he, he remains a really interesting player for me because I think what was it the City game? I felt that was his his best game by by a mile and he looked... He looked like the player that everyone, everyone who likes him, that would be the game that you would take and say, "Yeah, this this is what you're getting when you get Kovačić." I think that the the only problem that I have with him is that when we play lesser teams, I I just think against better teams he's an excellent player, and it's a bit strange that he plays better. Actually, it's a little bit like John Obi Mikel, that Mikel would be absolutely excellent against good teams and some poor teams, it would just be like, "Why is he on the pitch?" But with Kovačić, I, I feel that's a little bit the same. Like today. Didn't really see him much of him at all in terms of being the driving force in midfield, being the sort of the creative player with with the freedom to get forward a bit. But then you look at the city performance and you just think, like, he was he was amazing against City, you know. And I think actually, if if you can get more of that out of him, then yes, definitely he's someone that we should we should be looked to signing. I think my concern is at the moment is that I think he's had more six and seven out of ten games than he has eight, nine, ten out of ten games. And I'd be worried, particularly because I think if we sign him, then that that's less opportunities to say someone like Loftus Cheek um, or Barkley, for example. Then then that that to me is is where my only really concern comes in is whether he is so far or so much better than than what you have currently to to sign. And I'm assuming it's going to be for a fairly sizable um, kind of investment as well. So, but it's still, I mean, it's just a, I think just a really interesting player. I mean, you know, it's you look at the the City performance in particular was. Was exceptional, one of the best midfield performances from certainly a Chelsea player in the past couple of seasons. I think he was superb, but, but I just want a little bit more from him going forward, basically, a little bit more out of him attacking wise against crap teams, basically. That's crap teams. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: I guess the other like random curveball thing that could happen, and obviously this depends on if, you know, the vote of no confidence for Mourinho holds water and he manages to continue at United past this season and to the joy of many of us. Uh, Paul Pogba does not seem to be a fan of playing under Mourinho. Mourinho doesn't seem to be the biggest fan of Paul Pogba. Would that be just the most wildest, craziest punt of something that could happen? And would we want to see him, partner back up with his fellow French midfielder N'Golo Conte. if for some way in some reason we'd be able to maybe prime him away
2: I, I would take him <laughs> yeah I, I'm the same way Joe like I think if you have a if you have the ability for whatever stupid reason in your scenario that that he would become available I, I don't think you can say no to that kind of player I mean those type of players don't uh, come around that often. And certainly he's, he's kind of a, um, a top level talent and he's still pretty young um, now. Like he, he's also just extra on everything. He, he's just personality, extra haircuts, extra, you know, everything is, it's pretty extra about him, but you know, playing in a system like this, I think he would reach his maximum potential as a, as a midfielder and, uh, someone who could uh, contribute significantly to the goal tally moving forward.
3: Yeah, 100% agree with that. I think actually the the best Paul Pogba I've seen play in really competitive games is next to Kante. And I include him in Juventus there because I think in Juventus a lot of the time he could he could just do what he wanted, really. I mean, they were such a good team with Arturo Vidal and Perlo and Marquise, et etc. But during the World Cup, I felt that was kind of the Paul proper that people wanted to see at United. But I think that only that only really happens when he has someone like Kante next to him. And, you know, if you're saying that Kante is the key to unlocking this, you know, I mean, I think he's got superstar talent in terms of what he can do. Um, plus also, I mean, you can imagine imagine him playing under Sarri and not someone like Mourinho or, or another defensive-minded manager, someone who would un, kind of unlock that maybe the, the sort of defensive kind of restrictions that he's had put on him under under Mourinho would be would be absolutely incredible to see him with, you know, if you kept Hazard, for example, let's just say, or take the fantasy to its natural conclusion, and then you've got a really good centre forward in them, and I mean, you're looking at Chelsea then, arguably becoming the, the kind of team that we all hope that they would then become, you know, sort of competing with the 2004 team, 2010 team, et cetera, in terms of talent, so... Yeah, I mean, if he's available, you one million percent have to go and get him. And you know, I mean, part of me, I, I can't see Mourinho seeing out. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he'll he'll make it beyond next summer. Um, my concern would be obviously if if Conte goes to Manchester United, then Conte I think has a pretty good relationship with Pogba, so that may be out of the question. But I mean, yeah, in, in any kind of scenario where you can add someone that talented and put him into a system that I think probably the 4 through 3 with with him kind of off the leash. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a
1: complete no brainer. All right. So we're going to get out of the midfield, but before, and head to defense, but before we do that, Nick, I think we should talk about pretty sweet deal. We can get our friends at Classic Football Shirts.
2: Correct. Uh, go get your 10% off using code LondonPOD at, uh, at checkout. Um, they have, like, a, I was just looking before the show, actually, and there's this uh, match. So they have a bunch of match issue kits um that are that are really tasty there's a uh an 1988 to 93rd shirt that's like this tangerine and blue stripes it's kind of kind of throwback sexy there are a bunch of zola kits on there from uh, that are match issue that are um pricey but worth it there's a, a nice rude Hullet shirt that i know uh, our boy joe tweeds would uh would really enjoy to have on his back um just massive, uh, massive fans of all those folks. So go get your 10% off at classic football shirts. We have, uh, links in our social profiles. If, if you're, uh, having trouble finding it, but, um, but yeah, do that. It's awesome.
1: All right. So defense is the last area to look at. And I think this is the one where, again, not many questions. I think people are feeling pretty good, except when we ship the occasional odd goal, uh, like we did against Brighton today. but, for the most part, you know we have Rüdiger in a good position. Aspel is looking like he's you know, returned to form from right back position. I think there are some questions about Alonso's current form, and then also you know what what happens between Luis Christensen, uh, Ampadu in terms of a a center back pairing situation. So if you were going to look at one area of that back line to upgrade, Joe, where where are you heading in terms of assigning?
3: I think it's. I mean, it's, it's not surprising. It, it, for me, it would be a, a kind of a Marcus Alonso replacement. I, I know he's just signed a, a deal, and I know that he's he's quite popular with with match-going Chelsea fans. But I think we've seen this season when when he's had a lot more defensive responsibility built on him. And I think Conte's system was very good at protecting him. You know, you've got the additional centre back. You have uh, both a wing cover and also a, a kind of defensive midfielder cover there as well. We didn't really see him getting kind of exposed in one-on-one situations as much, and my concern is that you know we're not talking about superstar talent here. We're talking about very basic Premier League players uh, continually beating him, getting crosses in, and it, it's it started off as a little bit of a, a sketchy game, and it's kind of sort of kind of rolled into a, maybe a month or six weeks of form, and and I, I think the more that this system develops, and the more pressure there is on on your fallbacks to be good one-on-one defenders. Um, I think Alonso is, is going to struggle. So whether the solution is that you you buy a right back and you move Azpilicueta over there, I mean, I think a lot of people will forget that Azpilicueta has actually played more games at left back for Chelsea than he has at right back. You know, that's that's really where he kind of made his name for himself when he took over from Ashley Cole. If you move Azpilicueta out there, then obviously you've got a very defensively solid player who backs up Hazard, which is a pass. Maybe you can then go and find a more attack-minded right back, Obviously, Heisage uh, from from Napoli is a guy that we're obviously going to be linked to because of Sari's previous ties there. I don't think really that we're going to be able to do any business with Napoli because uh, Delirientes doesn't shut up <laughs> about us uh, about Sari, and, and I don't think there's generally a high um, you know level of, of cooperation between the two clubs. But that would be my my ideal situation. I think would be to get someone in um, either a, a direct a, a direct replacement for Alonso, someone who can come in and play left back and start. Or go and try and find a solution at right back and move Aspilicueta over because I think at the moment, you know, you, you see some of the I think the, for the goal today, you know, it's it's Alonso's inability to close and crosses. He seems to be out of position all the time at the moment, and he doesn't have the the recovery speed or the athletic profile. It seems to kind of really fulfil the requirements of what Sorry wants. So yeah, it's fantastic that he can charge forward and he hit a fantastic shot today that that was unlucky not to go in. Uh, he's obviously great at set pieces, but. You know, is is that enough to to warrant him starting every single week? If we can get a, a player in who can who can play box to box and can defend, um, you know, for me, it's becoming more and more clear. I think that Alonso is is a weak link in that back four. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, I would I would like to see that side solidified either direct purchase or or by moving as Aspelac across and then and trying to find someone to play right back. And uh,
1: Nick, are you feeling the same way? Is that where you would go and look to add someone?
2: Um I th- I think in the immediate term I'm really intrigued, you know, I know, I know we kind of touched on this with our in part 1 with our current squad, but I'm I'm really intrigued to see kind of what happens at center back. because I think Joe made the really good point um that it's essentially Rudiger plus whoever can do it. <laughs> um you know, Rudiger being the the penultimate talent there. Uh so I- I'm intrigued to see if David Luiz or Christensen or Ampadu or whoever else can can step up to the plate and really, you know, make a, a, a case that they should, you know, be never be moved as, as that center back. But uh, right now I think center back might be, you know, the, the area, if we had a chance to go get someone, you know, crazy talented, um like a Kulabali or something, which I know is outrageous and will never happen. Um uh, But if, if that was a, an area, then, then we might be, uh, intrigued by that due to our, our talent elsewhere.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, and, and I looked to throw this name by you too, Joe, cause I feel like you'll probably have an opinion on it, but I think, um, inter center back Milan, uh, Skr- 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 I'm not, I'm probably butchered that name terribly. I mean, he, you know—we talk about like you know reinstilling leadership back in the side has been you know leader you know, at that club so far. Uh, plays exceptionally well. Seems like he's really good on the ball. I feel like he would be the right type of profile of player to go target. Uh, also fits kind of the club's model of get him younger than they're kind of at their peak point. Maybe just a little bit below what their maximum kind of price is going to command in the open market. I mean, that that to me that Rudiger pairing you know with Milan would be pretty. Pretty tasty, I think.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, it, he's actually a really good shout. Um, you know, I, I think the thing that I I really like about him is that when uh, a couple of times I've seen him play, he's also played as a holding midfielder. So he, he's, he's got the skill set to operate in midfield, which I think obviously when you drop him back into being a defender, it's very easy to see how someone like that can be very comfortable on the ball. Quite similar to, to uh, what's it, Mateus, the, the, the Ajax player that everyone is, is raving about his ability to switch between playing in midfield and centre-back. I think that obviously translates really, really well. He reminds me, when I was seen him playing, at least defensively, he's kind of, a, sort of that Vidic-y, Ivanovic-y type kind of player that he is incredibly difficult to to beat. He's very, very strong in the tackle, very, very aggressive. But I think now he's kind of obviously, I think he's about 23. Um, he's he's a lot more modern in terms of, a, he's kind of a ball-playing centre-back who has that kind of old-school um, sort of a, aggression in him that similar to sort of a Vidic or Ivanovic. So... Again, I think that this would be a player, I think, uh, did he play him when he played for Zelina? I can't remember now, but um, I remember seeing him for Zelina. He was then at Sampdoria, who was also really good there. But I think since he's come to Inter, um, he's just taken his game to a new level. And I think you're right, when when you're looking for players to come in, particularly defenders, I like defenders who are leaders. And I see that in Rudiger, that Rudiger has that, that kind of innate leadership quality. And I think it needs to develop some more, but he definitely has it. Same with Ethan Ampadu. They have this kind of innate quality that, that centre-backs should have. And I think Skriniar definitely, definitely has this. You know, he's, I think, you know, he's kind of the perceived next big player. I think, is he Slovakian? I think he's Slovakian. Yeah, that's great. Um Yeah, so he's, you know, he's he's kind of the next big player, I suppose, you know, like a Martin Skirtle replacement or someone like that for the national team. But I like him a lot. And I th- again, you know, if you're going to go and spend good money on a defender, um, you know, I think that he probably is the one that, that, that you you would probably look at as as both gettable, um, but also someone that I think could develop into a really, really so, kind of really, really solid player at Chelsea. Um, you know, he's got all the physical tools. He's what, 6'2", six 6'3". Six um, he's very much built like a Ivanovic. He's got that powerful build as well. Great on the ball. You know, I think it's it would be a no brainer if Chelsea could potentially go and get someone like that in uh, in January.
1: All right. So before we wrap this up, we'll do a quick little bit here because we got some questions about it too from Brett from Patreon. Uh, you know, actually did ask about the fact that you know will the strategy be a little bit different. Um, I don't think that's going to be different, other than understanding there's a transfer ban potentially out there, and maybe we just actually need to conclude some business in January as swift as possible. But they were asking a couple questions about whether or not, or can we get any youth players to potentially supplement in terms of having to go out and buy anybody? And I think, it, you know, would there be one? If you could nominate one player, Joe, would it be Rhys James or is there someone else that on the fringes out there that we should be looking at um, on the Chelsea youth play or as a, a member of our lone army that would be the one that one name to watch?
3: I think, I mean, the, the two that come to mind is, is I think, Reese James and Ola Aina. Um, both because I, I don't think we're particularly strong in the fullback area. Um, and, I mean, it's it's an easy it's an easy transition for a young player to come in um, and play, you know, in a position where it's there's not a, a massive amount of competition. We're not asking them to come in and replace, you know, Diego Costa, you know, when he left or Eden Hazard or whoever. I think there is a, there's a there's room for them to come in and play there. And I think for, for Reece James, you know, this is a guy who has taken the championship football incredibly well. There's already calls from from some Premier League teams coming in about taking him on loan in January. Brighton, in particular, very interested in taking him in on loan. So you can kind of see that he's already being thought about as a Premier League player by Premier League clubs. So I think he's won three Player of the Months in a row. There, I mean, he's a right back, which you know is, is not a particularly sexy position. So the fact that he's winning Player of the Month, you know, I think that says a lot about him as a player. Um, you know he's aggressive. He's great going forward. He's got probably he's probably the best crosser of the football at, at, at Chelsea. Even you know even though he's on loan, he's still probably the best crosser of the ball that we have. Um, I think he fits what Sari's looking for. I know that from speaking with him personally that he's he's hugely hugely passionate about playing for Chelsea and hugely would love to would love to be successful here. Um, so he's definitely one that comes to mind. But I also think Ola Aina is a little bit of a, a of a dark horse here in that. He maybe didn't necessarily have the, the kind of impact that he would have liked at Hull, but in a similar way to maybe Nate Chalaba, who went to Italy and kind of completely learned an entire new way of thinking about football. I think Ola Aina has been absolutely fantastic in, in Serie A, and this is both playing as a left-back and as a right-back. So he's kind of got both positional flexibility, which obviously is key if you can back up being a left-back and as a right-back. But he's probably the modern the modern kind of you know, full-back if you were to build one. He's got the height, he's got all the athletic traits... He's incredible in terms of you know what he can do in the final third he's he's very technical great link up play aggressive he's another one who would absolutely kill for an opportunity so I think if we're looking at let's say a pathway into the first team I think one does exist as a fullback at the moment. I think Reese James maybe is one to two years away from from being ready. I think Ola Aina could come back in January and I think actually he could play um I think he's he's done incredibly well in Italy uh, I do think actually that the club have maybe sort of undervalued because he does have a £10 million buyout clause that they can activate at, at any point, which would be really sad to see him go for that amount of money, considering that he's just sort of found the kind of form that I think a lot of people who watch them in youth football would have said that he could have been a Chelsea player. He's now kind of sort of hid his form, um, maybe sort of learn a little bit more about the game, learn more about his position, but he looks to be a real player. And I think again, if he wasn't a Chelsea player, and you were looking at Italy for potential fallbacks. You'd look at him and can say, yeah, let's go spend, you know, 30, 35 million pound on him and bring him in and see what he can do. Um, so both of those, I would say, yeah. I mean, you're looking at, at both positions of need, positions where we're not particularly strong, um, positions where both of these guys, I think, could add a, a lot of quality. So, yeah, Rhys James and, and Ola Aina.
1: All right. Those are Joes, too. If they don't pan out, go talk to Joe. Uh, <laughs> at Joe Tweedy on Twitter. Um, because no one on Twitter ever comes up with a unreasonable take on anything and demands immediate uh, repercussions <laughs> if you are incorrect. <laughs> oh, uh, but no, this has been another kind of great opportunity to talk to you, Joe, and go through different transfer scenarios, different players we should be looking at. And, yeah, I think it's time to close it out. Any final thoughts?
3: Um... I think that the one thing that I think will be interesting would obviously how this transfer ban pans out could could be obviously incredibly horrific for the club, but also maybe a, a blessing in disguise if if it pushes us to use some of our really top tier academy players. And I think a lot of people maybe underrate them and say you know they're not ready, etc. But you know you can see someone like Hudson Odoy who's kind of adjusting the sort of men's football and he's not really been given that many opportunities, but he was given more know sort of what kind of level he could be at and there's a lot more players who are kind of out on loan or sort of on the threshold that probably are, are similar in that they could come in and actually do a pretty good job for the team so I think partly yeah I mean obviously it'd be horrific if we can't go out and sign players but you never know if, if we can push through four or five six young players into the into the first team and have that as a foundation and then start adding players to it maybe that's a, a blessing in disguise so not all doom and gloom from me I think it could be the the kind of shot in the arm that the club needs to actually use the academy properly but, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a, an interesting January transfer window. I think, again, if we go incredibly big, I think that will reflect pretty much what the club are expecting to happen with FIFA. Um, if we're not going too big, then maybe the club are a little bit more ambitious. But I do think it's going to be a very telling January regardless.
1: All right, so just like in poker, there will be a tell. Chelsea will have a tell that you need to look for. Nick, any final thoughts?
2: No, I mean, I think the, the only thing I ever come back to is the philosophy of the club and kind of what's guiding Uh, everything forward, I mean, there are a lot of decisions that can be made, um, you know, that are either short-term solutions or long-term solutions. And, you know, it's, it seemed on the outside for a long time, that there are a lot of, you know, short-term stop gaps that are in place to, you know, stay competitive and and try and win as many trophies as possible. But I think, you know, as Joe alluded over the summer, when we did that special, um, the long-term philosophy of the club is eventually what will pay major dividends. And, Uh, You just you hope that, you know, maybe like Joe was mentioning with this transfer man, maybe it forces Chelsea to look at transfers differently as well. And, um, you know, that could be a really good thing for the uh, for the long term viability of the club. All right. Well, there you've had
1: it. Could be a blessing in disguise. Could be an opportunity to really come up with a long term identity. It could be an opportunity for you to let us know what you think. What's going to happen in January? What players you think we mentioned that you'd like to see signed? Are there players that we didn't talk about that you think Chelsea should be looking at? Hit us up on Instagram. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Patreon. Let us know what your thoughts are. Uh, we are coming back later this week after the Bournemouth match, depending on, I think, The results, so that's another thing to keep in mind. Midweek soccer, football is still happening. Uh, We are going fast and furious until we hit London. Don't forget, we are going. We're going to be there. We're going to be there for three matches plus a women's team match. Four games, eight days. Nick, I don't know how we're going to do it, but you know, we're going to make it happen.
2: We are, and we're going to love it. So love every minute cannot wait to see some of you over there and uh you know what to do keep a blue flag flying high